Hi. Uh, hi. Hi, Andrew. Well, Arash and I are sitting here with Andrew Harwood at EDAM in the office. Yes. Uh, uh, would you like to start off by just telling us a little bit about yourself, where you work right now, and where your kind of areas of expertise are? Um, based in Montreal, I have been there most of my dance career. I started dancing here in Vancouver, spent 10 years on the West Coast in the 70s, and moved back to Montreal in the 80s. My work focuses on, well, right now I'm primarily teaching. I'm not performing or creating anymore, a little bit, not very much. And the work focuses on contact improvisation, but also group structures, group strategies for improvising solo work, duet work that doesn't involve touch, mm -hmm. with, the, with the underlying premise of being able to construct something together that has some kind of uh, aesthetic um, solidity, let's say, that can hold, uh, <clears throat> so it's not just uh, fooling around, but trying to construct something that you can make some sense out of it that's aesthetically pleasing. Um, I teach in schools in Montreal, a couple of, um, at the university at, uh, it's called the École de Danse Contemporaine de Montréal. It used, it used to be, to be called, called Ladney before, mm -hmm. there for a long, long time. And then I teach at the National Circus School next year. So I work with, um, in those contexts, young dancers, aspiring young dancers, they're in their 20s for the most part. And then I teach public classes, and that's a whole hodgepodge of all kinds of people, all ages, uh, very old, some people in their 70s, some people in their 17, 18. Um, mm. Sometimes people are injured or slightly disabled. And so that, that's a big melting pot. And that's rather different than teaching kids who are part of a program and contact is one of the things that they get to taste in their development. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I do at uh, EDC and at the University of Quebec. And on occasion, I get invited to uh, teach in a school around the world. You come uh, here once a year, down to EDAM? I've been coming here once a year. Well, I came here with Mark Bravain. Peter and I did a summer workshop every year. Oh, yeah, year. those were a while ago. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that went on for 15 years, every summer. It was really fantastic. And then I sort of continued that in Montreal, and that went on for 10 years there. Peter was part of the first two years of that, and then Chris Aiken replaced him. Mm -hmm. And Mark and I kept going. So 25 years there of, of summer workshops. And is that still going in London? No, no. I, I had a company called AHA Productions, uh, which focused on improv. That was the mandate, mm -hmm. producing, creating, disseminating improvisational work. Mm -hmm. And I folded that uh, after 14 years, and it's been five years, six years now. They closed the company down. Mm -hmm. Two years ago, decided not to perform or um, produce things anymore. And focus on what I love to do is teaching. Mm -hmm. so I'm still, mm -hmm. That's what I'm still doing. So earlier you mentioned that you started dancing here in the 1970s. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit about how you, you know, how you ran into the space, and then who was around, or who, who were people that you were hanging out with when you started dancing, and then how, you know, what about that time made you stick it out? Wow, pretty interesting time. Well, uh, let's see, winding back, I, I really fell into dance by accident. I wasn't looking for it, it came looking for me. But I was a mover, uh, all through my teens, uh, early on, like athletics, team sports, gymnastics, martial arts, all, all that kind of stuff before dance. 
Um, my elder brother owned the first natural food store here in Vancouver. He started it on Verard and Forth. What was it called? Lifestream Natural Foods. And that, is it gone now? Or is yeah. It still, it's gone. Yeah, it's, it has a different name now. It's gone through different permutations. He's out of business now doing something else. But I came out to work for him and uh, did that for three, four years. Two years into it, I was looking for some activity to do, physical thing. Wasn't active enough. I was doing a lot of meditation and some yoga, but it was mm -hmm. a little too passive for my taste. And someone by the name of Seamus, Michael Linehan, came into the store and we became friends. And he said, ah, oh, there's this woman here in Vancouver, Linda Rubin. She teaches these wonderful classes at what she calls Synergy Movement Workshops. So he said, check it out, check it out. I think you'll like it. I checked it out. Pretty much the same time Peter checked it out and a bunch of other people. And we sort of came in to Linda's, under Linda's wing, so to speak. Uh, together, a whole group of us, and that was in 19... Oh, come on, when was that? Um, 1975, late 75, here in this studio. So that would have been you, Peter, is that Barbara and Jay as well, or...? Barbara and Jay, uh, I don't know if they came in to work with Linda, but uh, there were other people, Alan Clark was part of that, right. Karen Malcolm, Peter Ryan, mm -hmm. Jillian Hamilton, Bruce Smith, um, Lots of people. Barbara and Jay was sort of mm, parallel, doing kind of their own thing already at the same time. Mm -hmm. But they they came they became part of Edom, which was kind of an outgrowth of our period of time with Linda. Uh -huh. So Linda introduced Peter and a whole bunch of people to improv and, and technique as well. And a year later, uh, she sponsored some contact here at the studio, and I did a couple of classes and. Nancy came a year after that, and a bunch, it grew exponentially out of that. Mm -hmm. What was the relationship back then between like Linda and Edam, the space here, and then you guys starting off, and then you know Steve Paxton and Nancy Stark Smith, and that whole kind of that crew coming from the states? You know, how would you just mentioned that the the beginnings of that, but was that an ongoing relationship for a while? They kept coming here, and. They did keep coming here, and Linda sponsored them once or twice. Michael helped sponsor them, me and Peter Bingham. Um, Linda already had a, a big thing going here in the city. She started here with 30 people in her classes, and then she moved over down a couple of blocks to Main something or other. Uh -huh. Big, huge, beautiful place. Um, Reunion was Steve Pax and Nancy Stark-Smith meets a little Kurt Siddall, and they did a yearly reunion and a West Coast tour that started in Vancouver and went all the way down the coast to Los Angeles, and they hit seven cities along the way. Sounds like so much fun. It was amazing. <laughs> and they came here, and they did a, a week intensive, mm -hmm. uh, and they performed at the end of that. And, of course, Peter, myself, many other people jumped into those workshops. I went down to Seattle to follow them. I went to Portland. We kind of followed them halfway down, get a good get a good dose of that. And that happened yearly. Uh -huh. and, and so you were saying you'd follow them down into Portland, and then that they continued doing that every year, basically. They did that every year for about four years. And that was... So there was quite a substantial contact kind of... Um, community growing down the west coast at that time and those really helped solidify that as it was a whole new scene that bust into the contemporary dance scene mm. the contemporary dancers were like, what is this stuff uh -huh. when they did their performances in studios and stuff like that the young dancers were blown away as well as the teachers were like wow what is this radical new stuff that these 
guys are doing. Um, so it had it had a really strong impact. And yes, it, it grew pretty quick. By the mid seventies, there was another group in California called Mangrove, mm-hmm. a men's dance collective that started with four guys. It grew to eight and shrunk back down to six, and they had a huge following. And but the distinction between Mangrove and what Steve was doing, Steve was really pure movement, contact, improvisation. Mangrove was theater. Mm-hmm. We play music, we tell stories, uh, we add theater to what we're doing. So they took contact as a movement base and expanded on that in performance. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they were based where? They were based in Ber- San Francisco, San Francisco Berkeley, Berkeley, the Bay Area. And they toured up here too and came through yearly. Mm-hmm. So they were another strong uh, influence impetus for us mm-hmm. as well. So who were... The you know some of the I guess dance personalities or the big companies not even big companies but who were people that were kind of you know either starting off or establishing themselves in the seventies that you remember um, yeah who you know who's part of the, the the ecosystem of Vancouver that you really felt had a strong foot or a strong kind of um, you mean in impact. Vancouver Vancouver or Canada even I know these you know Montreal's a big oh part my of your gosh life. yes so but you know. You know, seventies or eighties. Oh my goodness! In the seventies, well, I was here during the seventies, but a lot was happening in Quebec and Montreal at the same mm-hmm. time with this group called Nouvelle Air. And out of that, there was an explosion of young choreographers. There was Edward Locke, La La La, Human Steps, Jeanette Larin, Vertigo Dance, Marie Chouinard came out of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul Fortier. There was a whole big, huge um, scene uh, developing there, but it was not contact related mm-hmm. it was just they were developing their own ideology in terms of choreography right. and making work and so that was happening there um Gisico was up here at the time um terminal city dance was happening at that time too a bunch of other people and Edom sort of came out of that uh <clears throat> two or three years of working with linda and that was a collective initially as, as you guys might know mm-hmm. and it was really you know jennifer masco peter ryan um, barbara and jay and they they really worked together as a group um they created work they did improvisations mm-hmm. they they each one of them created work and used the rest of the members to facilitate performance that went on for I don't know how many years I was kind of gone by then, and then right. and then a number of people pulled out all at once. Peter Ryan left, Jennifer left, uh, um, <clears throat> Barbara and Jay left, and Peter decided to keep it going, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so he inherited a, a, this collective of seven. Boom, he decided I'm going to keep it going, and he became sole artistic director of Edom, and it mm-hmm. kind of grew from there. Which you guys might know. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. No, no, we're in the company. Yeah. <laughs> Did you have, uh, so were you part, when you were here, you were more freelancing or were you yeah. part of a collective? Or? I worked with Peter and Helen Clark, mm-hmm. uh, and that was in 77 to 79, and we formed a small little group called Fulcrum. And that was mm-hmm. the three of us, and we taught and performed. We got our first Canada Council grant together, touring mm-hmm. grant, and it enabled us to go across Canada. We we introduced contact across Canada from Vancouver to Newfoundland, so, every mean, city in a way. Pretty much every wow. every city, and, and you a, set that up yourself. You, we set that up ourselves. Um, you know, we were the guys that were doing the work, and and I guess they wanted to support it. The Canada Council wanted. The, we wrote a grant, and they said sure. And we had parallel galleries that, across Canada that, that we mostly taught in, but. And it was pretty cool. Wow. It was really, really fun. And we met people along the way. We performed with other people a little bit, too. 
So with the grant, you just mentioned that you guys got your first Canada Council grant mm -hmm. in the late 70s to go on tour. Yeah. So, you know, what was the relationship between this new emerging forum like Contact and you guys doing pretty radical stuff and, you know, an established kind of like state, uh, you know, very much embed embedded in the ballet world, um, the funding model, right? So what was that like to, you know, have those conversations with Canada Council? Was there, were, were they, you know, immediately into it or was there a bit of pushback? They were pretty much immediately into it. And I think some of the people that were on board at the Canada Council who are also connected to the dance world, they may have been ex-dancers and some, that's how it happens often. You know, you have some people who are in the dance community and they, they flutter, in to, they flutter in to the councils, uh, the arts councils, the Vancouver Arts Council, BC, whatever. Same in Quebec. And um, they, they had sniffed it out, you know, and they were saying, wow, this is, this is something special. Uh, and and, and these, these guys, these three and some other people in Vancouver, really want to expand the form and bring it forward. And they were immediately pretty supportive of that. Um, some of them didn't really know it, but I, but I think because there were other people involved in the councils, um, who spoke to some of the other people who were more administrators, um, sort of convinced them, like, this is worth supporting. The grants were really small mm -hmm. at that time. Mm -hmm. You know, they just they paid our travel yeah. and our per diems. That was about it. Mm -hmm. The money came from teaching workshops along the, way. Along the uh -huh. way. So that's how we earned a bit of money. They provided money to get us across Canada and uh, to pay our food. And then the workshops provided us with a little supplement mm -hmm. for that. And, you know, it was pretty exciting. We were 25 at the time, mm -hmm. 25, 26 years old, just kind of starting off. Yeah. Peter and I just started dancing at the same time. Helen had a bit, had a bit more experience than, than us. And, um, but along the way, you know, we started meeting other people that were involved in contact in the States, especially Boston, New York, Northampton area, where it was really growing pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. um, but yet still very, very new. You know, everybody had their own ways of approaching it and, and teaching it and uh, that's the most amazing thing about contact is it's not a, a set pedagogy mm -hmm. it's not like learning uh, Cunningham technique grand technique or or even doing uh, body mind centering it's uh -huh. very, very systematic people develop their own way have their own vision have their own thoughts about it mm -hmm. have their own language and words that they use for expressing it yeah and it's still not a certified form isn't that great which is amazing it's, it that it's, way. it's the only form <laughs> yeah, that that's I what's know. beautiful about it is it's like it's actually it's phenomenal. in terms of like something starting from the 70s mm -hmm. it started that way and no one like this idea of ownership which yeah. happens so much in north america and it's happened of course in europe too yeah. it's less with contact and i think that that makes it way more beautiful of a form in a way. it's fantastic but it's also presented some problems in that, in that right. now it's it's really people teach contact and it's so wide and what they what you almost you almost wonder where's the contact in there sometimes in some of the teaching or people mix it with tango and contact or ballroom and contact or sexuality and contact you know so they, they bring in all these other themes and 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 to a degree sometimes it gets a little watered down or it gets a little diffused and you start to wonder like, well, where's the contact in here? Mm -hmm. From Steve's work, which was a very physical movement form mm -hmm. into a touchy kind of feeling thing, more therapeutic, more, you know, it, it starts to get a little wobbly around the edges. Right, um, right. And do you feel like that's not necessarily helping the fundamentals that were made at first? If no, that it goes makes too it, watered down or? It makes it confusing, actually. Right, People right. come into it and, uh, you know, whatever, a person's vision is of what this form might be you take it in that direction but then you start to wonder well where's the contact in it or 
where's the safety in it? You know, if you're if you're allowed to, if you're given permission to touch people in any way you want, it's very different than sticking to a physical form discipline that you're learning. And, yeah. and that started to, to un, unravel along along the way. And um, yeah, it got a little bit confusing, and people. St- but Nancy, who's who's you know the head of the pyramid right now, because Steve's not doing contact anymore. He's eighty. He's writing. He's doing conferences, but he stopped teaching and performing. Mm-hmm. Nancy's still doing a lot of that, and and she she has this firm belief that everything will find its place, even though it's at this place now where people are pushing the boundaries. You know, mm-hmm. uh, what's that whole other thing? touch and touch and play mm-hmm. there's this whole other movement called touch and play where people get together and they do contact but but they explore all kinds of other ways of being together physically uh, and that's a big movement and sometimes people are, are doing both and they, it gets a little mixed and a little confusing so mm-hmm. you could have someone who comes into class who's very young and uh you know, taught in a certain way that that doesn't honor the basic principles of contact, right, right. and they leave a yeah. little confused. Yeah, and, and that can cause confusion. I've heard that a lot personally. It's, it's like, oh, it, that's what it is, and I go like, well, actually, not really. Where did you experience it? Exactly. And that, that's really interesting. Where you can get away from the fundamentals, thinking that you're pushing the boundaries, and that that can be an illusion. Yeah. With with some teachers, yeah. and just one with the in connection to contact and like it coming out. And get, getting more and more bigger. Would you feel like that was <clears throat> happening mostly from west side of Canada and then states as well, or was it happening also at the same time in Montreal? And it it was happening. Uh, it was happening simultaneously here and there, especially California and New York and the states, both places, both uh, extremes, you know, both coasts. Uh, I think the contact got started here a little earlier than Montreal and then kind of got transposed. Someone from California moved to Montreal in 77 and was doing it kind of at the same time that I started introducing it mm-hmm. there as well. Um, and, and, and then it hit Europe like maybe a decade later and started to grow there. Mm-hmm. But it really grew here within North America first. And it was very kind of, um, you know, low-key, eclectic, word of mouth, uh, tell your friends kind of thing at the beginning. Grassroots, really. Yeah. But then at a certain point, it hit its stride, and people started to really talk about it, and people started to say, hey, this new thing. Mm-hmm. And the great thing about it is that you could come to it from a dancer's background, from an athletics background, from a yoga background. You didn't have to be a dancer to do yeah. it. Yeah. If you like to move and you want to interact and... Uh, this kind of new way and it wasn't learning a series of steps although there were certain principles that you learned certain skills that were offered to create safety uh, so that you had some language to build on together something in common um, but but I think the techniques as I understood it always were there to create safety and to give you a range of possibilities mm-hmm. but the techniques served that purpose to be able to improvise with as opposed to just do a series of techniques that you throw together. Yeah. Which yeah. is very different than choreography uh-huh. in, that, in that respect. So what ended up t- taking you over to Quebec? And how come you ended up settling over there? Well, I come from Quebec. Right. That's my home. And So after you came here, what was the impetus then, I guess, to move back? Actually, I came here and then I moved to California for a year. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, and I was there studying with a bunch of different people, some of the guys from Mangrove and others, doing contact and teaching there as well. Then I moved to Eugene, Oregon, 
and I was there for a year, and I started a company there called Joint Forces. And Alito Alessi uh, is there, and he's become the master, or one of the masters, of what's called mixed abilities. He worked with disabled and able people, and he works together with them. Um, and he started a company there with me and Karen Nelson, and I stayed there for a year. And then I moved back to Montreal. Well, I went back to Montreal for a year, and someone from the dance department at Concordia University, the director there, said, oh, would you like to come and teach next summer at our summer workshop? And I said, yeah, that sounds great. So I went, came back to the West Coast. The next year I came out to Montreal, and um, things happened pretty quickly. I was offered a position at Concordia University as well, part-time. Mm -hmm. So I decided, okay, I'm just going to reestablish myself back there. And I was one of the first people to start teaching contact in Montreal, and things just developed for me there. Nice. Um, so I was out on the West Coast for 10 years, eight years here, two years California and Oregon, and then back to Montreal. And it just kind of felt like the right place to be at the right time. Mm -hmm. It wasn't super well thought out, mm -hmm. but I had this offer to teach. Yeah, yeah, of course. And uh, um, my partner and I, we're pregnant at the time. We were having a baby, a son. Mm. So University it all, job it all felt into yeah. place yeah. as well. Yeah. It was uh, kind of good timing, right? Say. And how how would you say like your practice changed maybe over time? Through that dance practice, or well, let's see. My practice has changed. It's evolved dramatically. Uh, I think that when I first started doing contact, um, in terms of the teaching and the dancing, I was very exuberant. Uh, very interested in a lot of skills, a lot of tricks, a lot of flying around initially, mm. um, and that was part of my teaching. Uh, I was very speedy, I would say. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, and and over the years, what became more interesting to me is working with states and kind of the underlying poetics of the form and the connectivity that you have between two people and the conversation or the relationship, as you were mentioning, that, that, that you can mm. develop with someone. So it went from kind of from form into essence, I should say, you know, put it that way. The essence of what contact is and what this, you know, Steve's premise of, of the, the, the floor and the ballet dancer and the modern dancers that uses the floor to move on and relate to all the time and then take the floor and use the body as a floor that's moving, it's three-dimensional, and is responding to you. So this whole idea, instead of moving on a surface that's stable and that's grounded, it's always in the same place, that you could, you know, what would it be like to think of your partner as being the surface that you're relating to now? And it was quite a revolutionary idea at the time, and uh, it was really, really fun to do. But um, getting back to... What, what's most important to me, yeah, is, is the subtlety in it, like we worked on today, um, the forms of communication, the states that you go through, and to view contact as um, underlying for me is it's a composition. You're composing something in real time. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's beyond just moving around with another person, working with weight and momentum and leveraging all those physical things. Mm -hmm. We're doing all that anyway. But what are you constructing with another person? What kind of story is unfolding? What kind of composition is being made? Is it visible? Can people look at it and, and beyond being um, 
viscerally moved and attracted by it. That's what it was for me at the beginning. It was like a visceral, like, wow, very athletic, very daring, very risky. And I loved all that into, uh, wow, these people are really constructing something that's very intelligent, but they're doing very, 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 very fast. Right. So to have that sense of uh, composition as you're, as you're moving and that you're making something that can be uh, both pleasing to do and aesthetically pleasing to watch and very satisfying both as an audience and as a practitioner. And when Steve invented this form, he it was a performance experience for him initially. He did it as a performance experience, and then it became a movement practice mm. because he was a performer himself, and he came out of a residency that he did at Oberlin College with a group of men that presented magnesium at the end of a month of research as a performance mm -hmm. project. And then people came to Steve and said, oh. Do you teach this stuff? Mm -hmm. And he said, well, no, not yet, but I'm thinking of it. And that, mm -hmm. was, that sort of got the whole thing going of like, how could I then transpose this work and teach it to people? Yeah. Um, so a whole pedagogy started to evolve very gradually out of that. And they always, even from the beginning when Steve did his first workshops in the afternoons of the workshops, the group that he was working with, 25 people, they opened the doors and they'd let the public in. And they do round robins, and people would just watch. So they'd be watched and witnessed oh, right from the get-go. Yeah, nice. It wasn't yeah. like we're yeah. developing this whole thing and refining it for three years and then and making a big deal out of it in a way. And, and, and I think that that's, that shows in the practice generally everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, and everywhere yeah. they taught initially, they performed. The reunion, Steve, Nancy, Nita, Kurt performance was always intertwined with mm -hmm. the practice. And uh, hmm. but now performance is not done so much pure contact. But you see contact as a language is inserted into right. improvisation. Yeah, and I think it's a very, very rich language that that Peter, for one, has really cultivated here in a fantastic way. And I see that. I've always praised Peter for the kind of uh, culture, dance culture, that he's developed here and how the facility of contact is really impregnated in the work, in the performance work here yeah. in Vancouver. And I'm, I'm thrilled to mm -hmm. see that. It's very clear to me. Um, so the scholarship program has been a really big part of getting that right. For it actually be free is is a is a is a very big difference. Yeah. Than having to pay. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. We did for it sure what, for sure ten years ago, yeah. and it's probably been, you know this really smart. Five. God. You know five. Well, ten a year, so that you know there's been like a lot, you know, a a lot, lot of lot. students have gone through. Yeah. Through yeah, contact yeah. training. Yeah. 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 Well, they get that a little bit at yeah. EDC in Montreal, but it's yeah. not the same as this scholarship program that Peter has and uh, it's wonderful I'm just aware of your time that we have a few minutes left but do you, do you want to do the uh, last couple the, why the don't you do one yeah you do that if there was one artist left in the world who would you choose that to be well, what left in the world you mean who's not here uh, one if there was oh, one there's only one one, one person in the whole world that would be allowed to be an artist and you would be able to choose that person. Who would you choose that to be? It could be someone who's from the past, who's passed away, or who's mm -hmm. alive. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know who someone I've been... Barbara Dillius, who comes to mind, actually. Hmm. Uh, Barbara worked with Cunningham. She worked with Martha Graham. She danced with Steve for many years as part of the Grand Union. Um, and she teaches contemplative dance practice now. 
and uh, she's been in the last couple of years a real kind of someone who's been really resonant with me very very strong she tries to combine the um, practice of, of meditation uh, with a personal discipline into open moving together as a mm -hmm. practice. And mm -hmm. some, so Barbara, I would say, this comes to mind. Barbara yes. Dilly. Um, okay, the, if, okay, this is a good one. Uh, what superpower you. would you have? <laughs> you could make a superpower, any superpower. Uh, attraction. <laughs> in what way? Uh, like magnetic. Uh, if I had a superpower, I'd be able to attract people to me very easily, uh, or or have a kind of like magnetic, um, like a field. Yeah, like thing. a force field, mm -hmm. a magnetic force field mm -hmm. that would be both attractive and perhaps even also repulsive <laughs> when it needs to be. Also repulsive. Yeah, also nice. repulsive. Yeah. 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 Yeah, maybe, okay, great. so we do this thing. This is like we take a very short time, like a minute and a half. But this is the either or game. Okay. So we ask you either or, and then you try as quick as you can to respond. Okay. Yeah. Does that sound good? Uh, okay. Salt or lime. Salt or lime. Lime. Socks or leg warmers. Leg warmers. Uh, mountains or seashores. Seashore. Zebras or donkeys. Donkeys. Pictures or paintings. Pictures. Leaves or grass? Grass. Fish or birds? Birds. Uh, basketball or soccer? Basketball. Uh, cloudy or clear sky? Clear sky. Dice or cards? Ice or? Dice or cards? Dice or cards. Cards. Uh, beer or wine? Wine. Tea or coffee? Coffee. Wood or Marley? Wood. Thank you very much, Andrew. <laughs> oh my God, it's been a pleasure. This is so fun. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thanks, Andrew. I, I feel like time. we could talk for like hours, but, talk, but really, appreciate your time. Next time we come by, we'll do it again. Yeah, yeah sure. and you'll be back. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, we'll, sure. we'll, or you know, we, we go to Montreal sometimes too. Yeah. So great. Sacamos a de tu alma.